welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up and coming brands, anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the founders of Ridgemont Outfitters, Stacy Lowry. Stacy, so much thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, so for the listener that may not be familiar with Ridgemont, how would you best describe it to them? Uh, so we're an outdoor lifestyle uh, footwear and accessories brand um, that was very much inspired by uh, action sports, um, skate, snow, bike, uh, those kinds of, um, styles and silhouettes that weren't really available in a durable outdoor shoe construction. Right. Right. That's interesting. So tell me a little bit about your, your background. Did you, uh, grow up in the outdoor space? Did you always know that you wanted to start a business at some point or kind of, did it just sort of happen? No, yeah, I mean, it, it really just sort of happened. So I was skateboarding, but that, but skateboarding wasn't was never meant to be like a, a, a career path or anything. It was just something that I was super into. My plan was to go to art school because I was also super into art, painting, illustration, that kind of thing. So that's what I did. I went to Atlanta to go to the Atlanta College of Art after high school. Then I ended up getting on um, a skateboard company that then brought me out to California. Uh, and through um, that seems like so so much farther in the past than Ridgemont. But <laughs> I through <laughs> through skating, um, I got the opportunity to sort of reconnect with um, outdoors. Like I, I mean, I, I'm like really compressing time but eventually i was like leading leading tours and stuff and and planning routes and i was taking these poor people that were stuck with me in the van through national parks and stuff and we weren't getting hotels we were camping and it was a fun way to uh travel you know in a van in the united states and for sure that sounds like a blast <laughs> yeah no it was awesome um like the whole time i was skating i was doing graphic design and stuff because skateboarders don't make any money Right, right, right. Um, so then I transitioned from skating into like doing graphic design at a skate shoe company. And then while I was there, I was like, hey, let me design some shoes. Then I like committed myself to learning footwear design and actually how to make shoes. Like I was going to China and learning that whole thing, but I was still doing it for a skate shoe company. And then that shoe company got bought by another company. I kind of became art director of that company or something, but I was still doing all the footwear design and development. And then <laughs> that got bought out 
and I didn't want to do it with that company anymore. But I had this idea for Ridgemont and then started Ridgemont. But there's so many steps in between. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny over time how it kind of like blurs together. <laughs> because it is like such a detailed journey, right? But then like over yeah, time, you're yeah. like, wait a second, did this happen first or did this? <laughs> Well, I feel like if I get into any one part of that, I'm going to be sat here talking for an hour about just this one. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, so basically, over time, like you, you clearly have a lot of experience with the development and design of shoes over your career. Um, what made you decide to go from the director of a company to then branching out and starting Ridgemont? Was there like a clear problem that you saw that you were like you know what this this needs to be solved and that's sort of the this foundation of it yes absolutely so um in oh man i think it was about 2012 um my wife and i were gonna go on our um belated honeymoon we got married and never took a trip um, so we planned this trip to go to Costa Rica and we were going to go sort of all over the place. Like we're, we're flying into like sort of the North and then, dude, we're going to this place called the Pocuare Lodge. It's this eco lodge in the mountains. You whitewater raft in. That sounds awesome. <laughs> they're, they're the only power for the place is hydroelectric. It's, it's oh, on a man. river. That's, that's awesome. Um, it was incredible like i anybody that's listening look this place up and go because it's the best but um yeah so we were doing that we're going you know staying in the rainforest and then we're driving down and across and going to the the beach later um so in in prepping um to get ready to go i was like man maybe for the first time in my life i should get something other than skate shoes right like <laughs> yeah sure sure uh i mean up to this point i i pretty much felt like well if i can skate in skate shoes and jeans and a t-shirt then i can do anything in skate shoes jeans and a t-shirt right and that's right, right that's pretty close to true up to a point but for this particular journey like the the limitation was like i also want to pack light just a backpack because I hate traveling with lots of stuff. Um, so I was like, all right, you know, one pair of shoes, I got to get something good. So I'm like going to the, the outdoor store and I'm looking at the shoe wall and it's like, I can't suddenly be a different dude just because I want a pair of durable, functional shoes, right? I'm yeah. looking at the outdoor shoe wall and it's it just looks crazy to me, like stuff that, I can't fit into my life, you know? I'm not going to like suddenly get, you know, khaki zip-off shorts, cargo shorts, you know, or shirts with all kinds of pockets all over the place. Like I'm I'm still wearing like my regular gear and the shoes just they looked like they were for other people, you know? So I ended up just wearing skate shoes and like throwing them away when we got to the beach and and like buying some slip-ons. It was in the prep for that. And I was like, "Man, there have got to be other people who grew up with the same influences that I grew up shaping their, you know, sort of personal style. And, and they, 
they have to also be looking at the outdoor shoes that are available going, this stuff is crazy looking. Like I can't rock this, you know? Um, so I started, I started researching it, you know, and, and like over a period of time, like I kept thinking, like I was drawing stuff and, and sort of kicking it around and talking to some people. And, but I kept thinking like every season, somebody would drop something, you know, like somebody would come out with the thing that I was looking for. And then I would just get that. And that would be that. But it, it just wasn't there. Like I, I became convinced that I found an actual sort of void in the marketplace, which is pretty rare. So I talked to my friend who I had been doing the skate shoe company with. I told him about this plan um, and we, you know, sort of sussed out the viability of it, uh, talking to some uh, manufacturers, manufacturers that we knew had worked with before. And, you know, he he's a contact on the more of the business side of things like he he knows how to secure financing and stuff like that. <laughs> not my wheelhouse. Right, um, right, right. But, uh, you know, so so all that was sort of going on in the background, but we still weren't in any way convinced that this was something that needed to happen um, until uh, the, the company that had bought the company that I was designing shoes for decided that all the things that they told me that they wanted to accomplish with that footwear brand, they weren't going to do any of that. And I could just do work on some other stuff that they had, which was not appealing to me. So uh, I let them just buy me out of my contract. And then we started um, working on Ridgemont for real. And this was about seven years ago at this point? Yeah. Yeah. So when you when you got things started, um, you, you obviously raised some money to get things kind of, sort of rolling. Um, yep. How did you get the word out there with Ridgemont? Like what... What sort of marketing did you do? Was it more slow and like grassroots or did things kind of kick off quickly? We, we got, we got industry attention pretty quickly. That didn't mean that we got sales quickly. Our initial, um, initially we, we decided that we were going to use the, the traditional, uh, you know, pre-book wholesale trade show, the, the standard model, right? Sales reps. Right, get exactly. into retail shops, that kind of mode. Exactly. That that's what we assumed that we were gonna do because that's that's what our experience was. That's how that's how every footwear company that we were <clears throat> that that we had ever worked with, that's how they did it, you know. We had no problem getting um, editorial coverage, but it didn't really lead to sales, uh, retail sales because the stores didn't believe that there was actually a customer for our shoes that's so interesting and this is like 2011 uh, no 12. no so no we we developed for probably like 18 months okay um and then so this was like 2000 end of 2013 beginning of 2014 okay okay you know, it was crazy. Like this was a scenario that happened numerous times. A like a young dude would come in, young young boy, young girl would come in and be super into the line, ask us all these questions, and be super psyched, and be like, "Oh man, we're gonna get you into our store. I, I know this is gonna fly off the walls. I'm gonna bring our lead buyer back by later." And they would come back by with the lead buyer, who inevitably would be like forty something, right. fifty something year old person and they'd be like nah, 
I don't think so. I don't, think, I don't see this. Right, right, because it's more for a younger no demographic. And then, you know, they would walk away and then the the younger person would be left going like, I know we have a customer for this, but sorry. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's frustrating. Yeah, over and over that would happen. Um, until, until eventually we were like, I think we could do a better job at, at just talking to our customer directly. Like we know we have a customer, you know, like people are telling us that they love this stuff and, um, but we're, but there's this barrier to get to them. So let's just go around that barrier and go directly to them. So that became our, our primary method of distribution is just direct to consumer. So how did you learn how to sell direct to consumer? Like was, did you start with Facebook ads? Was it, um, a little more word of mouth. Like, how did you get out there without using the platform of the retail shops? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a lot of trial and error because we were sort of on the on the front edge of that. Like, right? I mean, companies are starting every day now, right? With with a direct to consumer model as their primary means of of distribution. But when we started, it wasn't that common. So we had to just um, figure it out. It was primarily Facebook ads, um, Instagram, Instagram marketing, um, leading to you know different campaigns to lead to getting contacts so that we could do email newsletters and yeah, just trying to drive people to the site to buy through our online store. That's interesting. It's it's definitely such a different um, way of growing the business now. Um, did either of you, anyone on the team have any experience with that? And obviously like you said it was kind of like new at that point. So you just kind of figured it out over time. Do you feel like that sort of came natural to you or, um, you know, was someone on the team kind of the person really, um, stewarding that? Uh, yeah. So we, I think we were, I think we were pretty good at shaping our message, um, in terms of creating creating content and, and, you know, building the imagery and the assets that would let us tell our story. You can build content, but then where does it live? You know, like if you don't right. have people coming to your site, what good is it for? Right. So course, yeah. we started working with digital marketing companies in order to be able to build the network of contacts. I mean, we, and, and PR companies to be able to continue to, um, you know, get editorial on, you know, larger platforms so that we could spread the word that way. It was, it was, it was really a big combination of things. Oh yeah, of course. And you kind of got to figure it out on your own and you can spend a lot of money trying something and then nothing comes of it and you're like, okay, well, um, that's a sunk cost. Great. <laughs> So what, what has the growth been like over the last six years? Has it been pretty steady? Were there a few parts where it really um, jumped quite a bit? Growth has been has been um, steady, but not crazy. We had a lot of momentum, and then um, we had a pretty major manufacturing problem um, that that set us back in I want to say like the end of 2017 into like the beginning of 2018 we really were afraid that it was just going to go away. What we thought was a manufacturing problem, which actually turned into like a, a problem with our development team in Asia. And we ended up 
uh, splitting with that group. And, um, but that also meant, uh, you know, we had to retake control of all of our molds and tooling and which meant a huge outlay. And we had to buy all at once, all of our stuff and then relocate it. And not only did we not have product to sell, uh, we had to spend all this money to get back all the tooling so that we could make stuff but we had to go through the process all over again of finding manufacturers to make our stuff. And our stuff is pretty demanding um, to make. We're trying to vulcanize some um, pretty high moisture content materials and it has to be done just right. The prep has to be just right or else the bond isn't going to be good. And, um, so there are some, there are some um, technical stuff there where the, the manufacturer has to be uh, they have, I mean, they have to be doing good work and they have to have good um, quality control. I, I mean, part of that's on us too, but if the manufacturer is not doing it right, then it's just never going to go anywhere. So, Yeah, I mean, having a company is difficult. A company that you're involved, involved with manufacturing takes it to a whole new level because you can have one little blip like that and it can put you out of business. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's just like it's, overnight, you're just like, boom. <laughs> yeah, it's a domino effect, right? I mean, um, we it was just one thing on top of another and uh, we were we were pretty scared for Ridgemont's future but um, every time we manage to get a run of shoes in they fly out we know that people like them and um, we've got a pretty enthusiastic group of people that are buying them um, over and over again so we're so thankful and we just try to keep making sure that we're making good products for them yeah, of course. Now, uh, how many people are on the team now at this point? Uh, so right now we're five people. Five people running everything. That must be uh, yeah. must be crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, it's crazy. We have we have really good we have really good people that wear lots of hats. That's how it is in a, in a, in a small business. You, you don't realize it until you're like in the thick of it, and you're like, "Wow, I literally do the job of like four people." <laughs> Yeah, at least four people. At least, yeah, right. And you're all in Long Beach, or no? So we're we're all we're dispersed all over the place. Um, we we're in um, in and around California, and then also my partner, the my co-founder Alex Hall, is in um, uh, south of London. No, so you guys are all over the place. It's sort of similar to Red Yeti with our team, where we're kind of spread out as well. Um, but yeah. it, it's good and you can still build a business that way. So I'm, sh I'm sure you guys have like different processes built in. So you guys communicate with each other regularly and then every so often meet up together to have some like face to face interactions. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, um, with all of the, the networking tools that are out now and the project management tools, um, it's baffling to me that more companies don't operate that way because then you don't, you you're not limited to the people that you can get. Yeah, no, that's so, so true. And, and it allows people to travel. Like for us, we're in, part of our team is in Costa Rica right now. And 20 years ago, this wouldn't have been possible. Even 10 years ago, this would have yeah. been a struggle. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, it, it, allows, it allows people to, um, like you, you, have a, you have a workload that needs to get done. Right. But you're not, you're not required to do it at, you know, eight to five or whatever. You do it whenever you want to do it. 
Um, exactly. and then, but you can also do other things that you want to do. Yeah. It makes having such a demanding workload not <laughs> it's it's not as terrible as it would be actually you know, <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, you don't you don't feel like a slave in a cubicle. Like, like yeah, for us, exactly. like we woke up early this morning and surfed for two hours and then came back and now we're gonna work. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then maybe later yeah. we're gonna go check out a waterfall and get some photography photos and do stuff like that, and then we'll work at night. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Especially people that are in creative fields. I mean, maybe what you're you, the ideas that you got are working at nine thirty in the morning. Maybe right. Maybe it doesn't really really clear up for you until you know ten p.m. or whatever. Just do it when you got it. Yeah, it's so so true, and it and it's more like goal and action based as opposed to time, which I think is a better way to look at it. Especially when you're in the startup phase where like every person that you have working, the amount in which they, they can accomplish makes such a huge impact on the success and just stability of the business where it, time doesn't matter. Like if you're fast and you, you do a good job and you can get these things done, then go have some fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm so much more like if I take a break in the afternoon and go, in my case, go skate or if it's, you know, whatever it is that you do to sort of get your body going and get some exercise, I'm way more focused when I get back to my desk. Oh, same. Yeah, 100%. Like, if I'm not exercising, I'm way less productive. Like, if I get sick or if I have an injury or something like that, my productivity is always way lower just because I need that sort of, like, time to sort of just disconnect and focus on whatever the activity is that I'm doing. Yeah, it definitely focuses the mind. For sure. Now, so obviously there, it's been a roller coaster throughout the history of Ridgemont. Um, I want to ask, where do you see uh, Ridgemont going in the, in the next year, uh, five years, ten years down the road? Um, <clears throat> so I think we're, we've, we're finally sort of recovered from that last uh, manufacturing problem. We have um, we have good manufacturing in place. All, all all of that has sort of leveled off now. We have um, you know continual production, um, and hopefully now we're in a place where people will be able to at any time go on go on the site and get what they're looking for. Um, so in our goals for the short term are to continue that and to um, bring out some new styles that we have in development, which is a pretty big deal for us. We've had kind of the, the same styles for a couple of seasons. Um, so bringing out some new stuff is pretty exciting. So that's short term. Hopefully the, the new stuff will be well received and um, we can continue to grow the product line. And then long term, I think I think clearly to experience the kind of growth that we want to to be able to get in front of as many people as we you know would like to we need we need to partner with some good retailers i don't think we need or want to be in every store but we would love to have some retail partners that we could really work with and and you know help you know tell our story like in a partnership kind of way not just we don't want to just go in and just be on the wall you know, along with everyone else. Yeah, for sure. Like any business, you you have a unique story, and that's like one of the main reasons why we have this podcast is so that listeners can really get to know 
the people behind the brand and what really makes them different because they're we're in a world where customization and like um uniqueness is is important and brands like ridgemont are sort of showing that because like you said when you get new inventory it sells <laughs> yeah because it's not I the mean, standard it, shoe right exactly and i mean and your point is is perfect because i think we're seeing that retailers that that don't act as uh almost ambassadors for the brands that they carry are are going away because anybody can just go on Amazon or whatever and just order a product. Right, that's such a good point. Yeah, I mean if you're not if you're not providing insight and an ability for consumers, your your customers to connect with the brands that that you have in your store then what are you doing? No, you're so right. That's like that, honestly I think that's such a great point and that's why you see like the um, the unique retailers um, sort of thriving almost because people trust the people that work there. They like to get the opinion of the person that works there because they yep. know they have the knowledge versus like Walmart or whatever, you know, your generic sort of store. Yeah. I mean, that's why you feel like you have to think like REI is not going to go away. Right. I mean, they, they have a, their stores, it's, it's like a, it's a community. They're they're Yeah, of course. Their customers really trust them, and they they do so much outside of just selling a sh a, a product. Exactly. I think um, that's a really good point. And I think you know there are lots of other little um, outdoor retailers all over the country that are doing the same thing. And you know those those are the kind of retailers that we want to get involved with going forward. Yeah, I think that's a really smart way to align yourself and. I'm definitely excited to see uh, the new um, shoes that you guys come out with in the next season or so. Um, and with that, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast, Stacy, and share the, your story, share the story of, of Ridgemont. And I, I think our listeners really got a lot of, uh, of good value out of just hearing the whole journey. And anyone who's listening to this podcast um, between now and November 15th, you can actually enter to win uh, a pair of shoes uh, from Ridgemont and along with a ton of other uh, gear. So just head over to Ready Yeti for your chance to win. With that, Stacy, thanks again so much for, for coming on the podcast. Oh, man, thanks so much for having me. Um, I, hope, <laughs> I hope I didn't ramble too much and that something was coherent, but um, really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.